Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And if it's your first time watching online on the balcony or on the floor, um, I'm excited that you're here because we start a brand new message series, much like Mary Helen said earlier today. And it is called You Asked For It. And literally, you asked for it. And so what we're doing for the course of the next five weeks is we're answering your specific questions that you had with regards to the faith, with regards to the Bible, with regards to God. We, uh, about a couple months ago, we went ahead and we sent a feeler out and just asked the question, what are your top questions that you wish that you had someone right there to be able to speak to, to be able to answer these difficult questions? And so we're going to attempt to do that in the next five weeks. Um, I'm really excited. Next week, um, you, you don't want to miss it because Pastor David will join me on stage. And we're going to rapid fire go through about seven or eight questions next week, just kind of hammering out some of your most, most pressing questions with regards to Christianity. And so today we kick it off, and the way we kick it off is with probably the most popular question that we get all the time, and it, and it goes like this, Terry, is it okay to question things about our faith? Terry, with regards to my relationship with God, does God think of that as insulting to him? You know, I know that there are things in the Bible that I, when I read it, I go, ah, and then I stop because I feel guilty because I'm like, oh, no, I should never question something. Or, you know, Terry, when someone in my life, or maybe even myself, when I go through a difficult time, you know, there's those moments where I look up to God and I just say, you know, God, I just don't understand. And then I, I feel guilty. You know, I just, I feel like that that's not acceptable. I, I don't feel like I should do this. And what I would say to you is, is this, we're going to answer and unpack this question. We're going to get down to the root of, can we question the things of faith? And what does God have to say about it? And the exciting thing about it is, is that we're going to see Jesus actually, specifically, tell a story. And in that story, we're going to find the answers to the question that you asked within it. And so in order to do that, we're going to start in the book of Hebrews. Paul writes in the book of Hebrews. And, and what he's going to do here, let me give you some context, is, is Paul is going to reference a couple individuals that had amazing faith. Paul is going to talk about Abel, and he's going to talk about Enoch. Now, if you don't know anything about Enoch, Enoch walked with God, and then God took him away. Oh, I wish I was like Enoch. Enoch never faced death. He was so faithful that God went ahead and he took him up to heaven. And so as Paul is referencing these individuals with incredible faith, he then pivots and says, and by the way, if you want to know what it means to have that kind of faith, and if you really want to please God, he speaks one of the most popular uh, scripture references that many individuals have on their bathroom mirror, and it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let's take a look. Paul says this, and without faith... It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, if you're not a Christian in this room, we as believers, we have this one written down. We, this is one of our most favorite memorized scriptures because it reminds us of the faith that we can have in Jesus. But what I love about it is Paul kind of references because as we ask the question, Terry, can I question the things of faith? Paul kind of talks about faith in itself, and we have to talk about, well, let's define faith. And I love talking about faith because faith in the simplest of terms is as you have a relationship with God and as you walk in your relationship with God, 
Faith is listening to what God has to say. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, Terry, this is the step that I want you to take. And then what we do is, is that no matter whether it makes sense in culture, no matter whether uh, it's understandable by others, we say that God's our primary and we have faith in him first. And so what we do is, is we take a step toward him. That is the simplest definition of faith. You've heard people say, let's take a step of faith. Well, that is take a step toward God. And in order to understand, well, Terry, as we talk about faith, what does it mean to earnestly seek him? You see, I, th- I think some in this room, you want to develop your relationship with God, and you say, Terry, I want to have faith that pleases God, and so I want to know what it means to please God, and so we, we kind of begin to take steps, but then we, we just kind of lose it. And I love this passage, because Paul says, you need to earnestly seek him, Terry. Well, I've never done a study on what that word earnestly means. I've never looked at the definition of that original word and just said, well, what does it mean to earnestly seek him? And so if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. In order for Christians, followers of Jesus, or even non-Christians who are skeptical of the faith, in order for you to be able to exercise faith, have faith, in order to earnestly seek him, you must be two things. You ready? First thing is, and Paul referenced it first, you need to be open to believe that God exists. Now, some of you are in the room, well, Terry, that's easy, that's simple, of course God exists. Well, I, I wanna tell you something. If you're not a Christian in this room and maybe you're with someone that maybe has talked to you about God and talked to you about faith for a really long time and you've approached conversations with the Christian, the follower of Jesus, you've approached it skeptical. You've approached it looking and saying, what about this, what about this, what about this? The question that I would have for you if you're not a Christian is, are you open to believe that God created the universe, God created the earth, God created man and woman, and God ultimately created all this? He exists. And you need to answer that question because if you can't fundamentally believe in that, then we're just wasting our time then you're sitting there with a friend who's a believer in Christ and they're pouring their heart out to you about their relationship with God, but you're not going anywhere because you're skeptical of that. So Paul says, look, if you wanna exercise faith, you need to believe first that God exists. But here's the second one, which I love. And the second way that we can have great faith that pleases God is we have to be open to believe that God cares. Well, Terry, that's simple. Of course God cares. Well, it might not be that simple. I know there's a lot of Christians in this room that maybe you've lived a life of faith where your life has been pretty seamless. You haven't had too many tragedies. You've been employed, making money, supporting your family. And as a Christian, as you've walked through life, you've prayed, God has opened up doors, and you've taken the steps of faith. And so for you, you've gone through your Christianity trusting God and said, well, of course God cares. But I know as a pastor, and I know walking with many individuals, some who are really strong in the faith, what happens when tragedy strikes? What happens when a job is lost, and you're faced with piling up bills, and you can't put food on the table for your family? What happens when you've been faithful, and you've trusted God all the way, and you can't have, and you're watching your family struggle, and it's really difficult to take a step of faith. It's really difficult in that moment to trust that God cares about you in that moment. Many of us have been there. God, what are you doing? God, this hurts. God, I don't understand. And it's in those moments that we waver just a little bit. Maybe you've lost a family member, a loved one, maybe cancer has come into your life or a family member's life, and it has shaken you to the core to where you begin to question your faith. 
Well, Paul says, look, if you want to exercise faith, you always got to remember, and and we're going to lean on this in a second, always have to remember that God exists and that God cares and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so the bigger question that many of you have written in is, is Terry, not only can I question the things of faith, but the truth is most of you wrote this. Terry, is it okay from time to time if I question God? And that's hard. But it's individuals that have been struggling, individuals where they have that pain and that question inside. Well, the good news is we're gonna answer this not by Pastor Terry. We're gonna answer this by Jesus. Because Jesus actually is telling a story to his disciples And I want to give you a little bit of context so you can understand. The story Jesus is going to tell involves three individuals. There's an unannounced visitor who comes in and wants, needs a place to stay and needs food to eat. Then there's the individual whose home the unannounced visitor comes to. That individual represents you and I. And so we're going to see this individual all of a sudden knock at the door and we're like, oh, you're here. Okay. Didn't know you were coming. That's us. And then there's another individual that's going to be in another house that's a neighbor and a friend, and that individual represents our heavenly father. So you got three individuals. Jesus is going to set the stage, and he's going to illustrate a great conversation about faith and a great conversation about whether or not we truly can question God. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. Here we go. Jesus says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to eat. You kind of get the story, right? Visitor comes in, knock, 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 and you need to understand something. Back in biblical times, if you were there and you were the host and someone came in, it was an absolute insult if you did not welcome them into your home and give them a place to stay. It was an insult, not only for you, but anybody in the town. Did you know this? That back during these days, if a visitor was coming in, it was expected that whoever they met in the area that engaged them in conversation and say, tell me where you're from, and they said, well, I'm visiting, I don't have a place to stay. It would be an insult for the town and for the individual if you did not offer to take them into your home. Does that make sense? And so, the gentleman, knock, 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 oh, you're unannounced. I don't have food. I don't have anything to feed them with. It would be a real insult to welcome them in and not feed them. So the individual goes to a neighbor and says, hey, I need three loaves of bread. Now I want you to key in on this. I want three loaves of bread. I don't want schnitzel. I don't want Dr. Pepper. I want three loaves of bread. The individual makes a specific request. It's important for you to key in on this. One other thing. Did you notice what time the unannounced visitor came. Midnight. Now, the reason why Jesus said this is is that this story was told in the area of modern-day Lebanon. Now, in Lebanon, a beautiful coastal area in the country, and Lebanon had a rhythm to it. That rhythm is, is people usually traveled earlier than midnight. So what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples is, all right, we're in this area, and then there's an unannounced visitor at an inopportune time. That was really important. So Terry, what what was Jesus beginning to say? And he's saying to you and I, isn't it true that the toughest questions and the biggest doubts come during moments of crisis? He's here. I got to do something. I need three loaves of bread. Hey, I need three loaves of bread. Not schnitzel, not Dr. Pepper. I need three loaves of bread. Panic, crisis. And Jesus was illustrating to you and I 
that we're gonna have moments outside of the rhythm of a regular day where we're gonna panic and we're gonna look to find a solution to what we want. And here's the truth about God. God is not surprised by our greatest needs or our biggest doubts. Now, if I was writing the book of Luke, if I was Luke, Luke, by the way, was a doctor. It's probably my, my, one of my favorite gospels. There's only four, but I love Luke, okay? Because Luke is meticulous. He writes in such detail, and I love it. Because if I was Luke, I'm setting the stage. Okay, this guy represents you and I. He runs to a guy that represents God. And he says, I need three loaves of bread. Now, if I was writing the next sentence, here's what I would write, right? If I had to fill it in. God, the gentleman representing God, looks down at this individual and says, you need three loaves of bread? Of course I'm gonna give this to you. Why wouldn't I give you this bread? You have someone coming into town that needs a place to stay and needs food. Of course I'm gonna give you three loaves of bread. Right? I think you and I would say, of course, Terry, that represents God. Of course, Jesus is going to talk highly of his heavenly Father. Take a look at the next verse, Luke eleven six. And suppose the gentleman representing God calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed, and I can't help you. What? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand this. Now, before you walk out, there's more to the story. But Jesus is trying to teach you and I something here, isn't he? He's trying to illustrate something here. Why, why wouldn't he just get to the end of the story? Why would he put this in Scripture? Why would he have the guy representing God saying no to the original request? Well, remember I told you, what was he asking for? I need three loaves of bread. You know what the three loaves of bread represent for Terry? God... You and I, we got a good relationship. This is working out for us. And so here's what needs to happen, God. I love you. You're the Lord of my life. And so here's what happens. In my life, I want to make sure that as I take steps of faith, that they fall in line with what my plan is. So I, I need a job. I need a well-paying job. I need to make sure that I have food on my table. By the way, you know what? I don't want a one-level house. I want a two-level house. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to get away from the kids. Amen? And so I need that, God. And so if you could just put these three loaves of bread in my path, I want those three loaves of bread. And so, God, right now, I need you. You need to show up, and you need to give me those bread. Does it make sense? Here's the truth. God is not required to answer our question when we want him to or how we want him to. He's God, and I'm not. And that's what Jesus was reminding you and I about. You need to remember, you might think that you want this, but God might have something different. God might have a different plan. And it might not be three loaves of bread. And I have to believe that Jesus was also reminding his disciples, when you talk to the Heavenly Father, you shouldn't make those requests only at a time of crisis. It's midnight. A moment of crisis should not be the sole environment when talking with God. It's kind of like the gentleman said, oh, I need God now, I have a need, and so now I'm gonna come to you, God. It's midnight, I need you. And it's a reminder, Jesus reminds you and I, every day of our life, we can talk to God and we won't be caught off guard when something happens. Now, I love this because Jesus continues the story. And as he does, I want you to see what he says. Jesus says, but I tell you this, 
though he, representing God, won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give whatever you need, whatever you need, because of your shameless persistence. And I love that. And you might say, well, Terry, I don't understand. Why did Jesus say no at first, and why did he then say that God will ultimately do it? It's because of this. I think a lot of us in this room, we live 80%. The 80% of our faith is easy. The 80% of, hey, I need, you know, God, I prayed between these two jobs. This one's paying more. This one's in my passion area. So, God, I need you to, I'm going to take a step of faith. You just need to show me what direction to have because I'm leaning this way, God. And so the one with more money and the one in my passion area, so, God, I'm going to take that step of faith. Oh, great. I got the job. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Boy, aren't I a great Christian? I took a really difficult step of faith. No. That was easy. And in our life, isn't it true that 80% of our decisions as Christians, they're easy, Right? They're easy to be able to, God gives us wisdom. Hey, this is wrong, this is right. This is wrong, this is right. And it's easy to follow God. And I think what Jesus was trying to get to you and I about is, is the 20%. The 20%. It's as if God says, hey, you want to please me? Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it looks like a dead end. Even when you don't think you can hold on. Just take that step of faith. Be persistent. Be persistent. Keep following me. And if you're persistent, I will give you what? What you need. I might not give you the three loaves of bread, Terry, but I got something even better. It's the King's Hawaiian bread that is so good if you've ever had that before. You know what? It's in the orange packaging. Oh, it's so much better. You want the, the pita bread? The, the King's Hawaiian bread is so much better. If you just trust me, let me illustrate this another way. Paul Harvey once told a great story. If you're younger than 35, ask the person next to you who Paul Harvey is. But anyway, Paul Harvey tells a great story, and it's of, of a mom and a three-year-old, and mom pulls up to a, a grocery store. How many of you have, have had a three-year-old if you're a mom or dad, right? You're going to know this story. And mom pulls up with her three-year-old and pulls in the parking lot and tells the three-year-old turns. And I love this because we're the adult and that's the three-year-old, and yet we're having a real-world conversation, Right? where we're having a very serious conversation. And the mom turns to the three-year-old and says, okay, we are about to go into the grocery store. When we go down the cookie aisle, you are not getting any cookies. Do you understand me? I don't care, don't ask, you're not getting cookies. You've had cookies all week, we're not getting cookies. The three-year-old looks and says, okay. So then what happens? If you've ever been there before, you go in, and usually you're praying up at this moment, right? Because you know aisle three is coming and that's where the cookies are. And so you're in produce, not a problem. The kid is great, everything's wonderful. Aisle one, aisle two, nothing's a problem. And then you make the turn to aisle three and you know it, oh, here we go. And so all of a sudden the mom is walking down with her child and the child looks and says, mom, can I please have the cookies? No, I told you we're not getting cookies. I told you this. And then what happens is if, by the way, if you're not a parent, here's what we do. We go as quick down that aisle as we possibly can. If you ever wonder why mom picks up grocery or dad picks up grocery items that weren't even on the list, it's because we're, we're rushing so fast, we don't care what we get. We're just shoving it in the cart and getting out, right? So then mom goes about seven more aisles down. And the worst thing in the world that happens in that moment, right? We realize we forgot something. We didn't forget something in produce. We didn't forget something in aisle one and two. We forgot something in aisle three. So all of a sudden, mom has to take the child, go back through aisle three, and the, the child's doing great and everything else, and all of a sudden, the three-year-old sees going down the cookie aisle. Mom, can I please have a cookie? No, I told you in the parking lot, we're not getting a cookie. The second time, I told you, we're not getting. 
So mom quickly rushes through, gets something, and then gets out. Mom goes to the checkout aisle. The three-year-old realizes we're leaving the store and I don't want to have cookies. And so the three-year-old looks at mom and says at the top of his lungs, mom, for the love of God, in the name of Jesus, can I have chocolate chip cookies? To which the cashiers and all the other people in the checkout lines heard the request, and mom and said three-year-old walked out with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. That child was persistent. That child wanted those cookies. And what I say is, is sometimes we're so persistent on what we want, but God, if we're persistent, he will answer. It might not be the chocolate chip cookies. It might not be the three loaves of bread, but God has something better for us. And I sat there and I said, well, Jesus, why are you telling this story? Really, this is where you lean in. You can go to sleep after this, but lean in, because this is the main point. Jesus, why are, you, why are you kind of going back and forth here? There has to be a purpose for this. And I would say this, in our relationship, God, what if the point of talking to God in prayer is less about what you want and more about who you're talking to? Isn't it true that as Christians, if you're not a Christian, listen up, as Christians, we have taken prayer and we have pushed it way out of context. If you look at the definition in layman's term of prayer, prayer for Christians is telling God what we want. Think about it. In your prayer life with God, how much of your prayers are about things that you want? And the problem with it is, is prayer by definition is communicating with our Heavenly Father, listening to our Heavenly Father, saying, God, speak, give me wisdom. And so what if the point of speaking to God and talking to God in the most difficult of moments is not necessarily what we want, but who we're talking to? And so when Jesus says, because of your shameless persistence, God will give you what you need, persistence speaks to your belief in who God is. Don't miss this, that he is God, the creator of the universe, that he cares for me, has a purpose and plan for me. And so when I sit there and say, God, I want three loaves of bread, I want three loaves of bread, and God, you're not giving it to me, but I'm gonna be persistent. I'm gonna be persistent in my relationship with you because you are God and you've got a plan and purpose for my life and I'm gonna keep seeking you. So what if it's about who he is? Now, I want you to watch what Jesus does here because Jesus then pivots. And then he kind of gets to the point where he says, it's really about who my heavenly father is and your relationship with him. And so if you're persistent, he says a couple of things. Don't miss this. In verse nine, he says, and so I tell you, keep on asking. I love this because as if Jesus says, look, even in the worst of moments, even when you think that you just, you don't even know what to think, your faith is shaken, even in those moments, keep talking, keep asking, keep engaging, even when it's difficult, even if you have questions, keep at it in your relationship with God. Keep asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. If you trust him, he has a better purpose and plan for your life, and ultimately, he always hears our prayers, and he always has an answer in his time, not mine. Now, some in this room, I love this, because some of us in this room were like, amen, and that's, that's what I needed to hear, and I'm gonna move forward. But there are some in this room watching online in the balcony that you're really struggling. We had a family this week 
who lost someone tragically found the individual that died unexpectedly. What about those moments? What about those moments when, but God, I thought that we had an answer. I thought that the doctors were about to have surgery and the doctors were about to to do something that was gonna give him a quality of life and God, it just ended like that. God, why did we have to go through all of this to see it end like this? God, I don't understand. And so for some of you, you still have that. That question is still there. I just don't understand. I love God, but I just don't understand. So Terry, it doesn't feel right to question God. That this is a barrier between me and God. And so what I would say is lean in here for a second because if you are one of those individuals that you love God but you just have this pain, this hurt, this wall between you and God that you're angry, that you're upset, you need to understand this, that questions about God or what he's doing are usually packaged in doubt. Right? God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, this doesn't make sense. What are we doing? If he's God and he's the creator of the universe and he knows all and he is all, then wait a minute, those two things don't match up. Because I'm questioning who God is, I'm questioning why he did that. Well, of course he's God and of course he exists and of course he knows better. And so that's when doubt in our faith creeps up and that's what we're wrestling with. Terry, the real question is, can I doubt God? Is it okay to have doubts? Because doubts show up when what we experience conflicts with what we know, right? Doubts in Christianity show up in the 20%. It's when we're walking and then all of a sudden the job doesn't come through and the money is not there and I don't have money to feed my family and the foreclosure is coming. God, it doesn't make sense. You say that you love me and have a purpose for me, but right now I feel like I'm falling. And so it doesn't make sense. And so doubts creep up and we don't know what to do. Don't miss this. We don't know what to do with the doubt. And we wrestle and we hide from God and we walk away from God because we don't know what to do with doubt. If you're a note taker, write this down please. Doubt is not toxic to faith. Unexpressed doubt always is. Doubt is never toxic to your faith. Looking at God in a consistent manner, God, this morning, I just, I don't understand. And I'm really wrestling with this doubt, God, and I don't want to wrestle with it, but I just want to keep talking with you. I want to keep asking. I want to keep seeking. I want to keep communicating because, God, I'm wrestling with this, and I'm not, I'm not understanding right now, but you are God. And in order for me to have, like Paul says, a faith that pleases you, I need to know that you're God and that you care. And, God, because you care, I know that you have a better plan, but right now I'm not seeing it, and so I'm wrestling When you communicate that kind of doubt, that is healthy. That's what God wants. Keep asking, keep seeking. That's why do you think Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking. When we hide that, when we hold on to it, how many of us have a family member or a friend who walked away from God because they didn't know what to do with that doubt and then they didn't express it and they held it in and they walked away from God? That's why Jesus says, keep asking. Rather than me try to convince you, I want to share a story with you. There's a family in our church that is one of those just amazing Christian families that just tries their best to follow God. The 80% is easy. And at the start of the pandemic, 
they hit the 20%. But they didn't just hit 20%. They got walloped. You ever have those friends and family members where you're a Christian and you're on the other side and you look and you're like, God, I, even I have questions because I don't know how much more they can take, God. God, why is this all happening to them? I mean, they're amazing, they're incredible. And so one thing after another, after another, I mean, God, how much can they take? God, I'm even starting to question and doubt. You ever have those where you have a friend like that? Well, this was his family. And during the pandemic, they had one thing after another happen. And I want you to hear their story, and I want you to see how they dealt with the last two years. I want to introduce you to the Desjardin family, Noki and Lisa. Take a look at the screen. Well, we went to church together is how we met. And he asked me out and I said no. And uh, he kept being very, talking about perseverance. He tried really hard on that note. We met in church, we started dating for two years and then we got married. We have five children. We own our own business. And so we homeschooled our first three children. We living close to the beach. We, we spent a lot of time at the beach, and we took vacations whenever we wanted to, and um, it was fun. It was very adventurous. We've been through a lot of difficult things through the years, you know, and I think that if our kids could see one thing, it's the authentic faith that they felt like we passed along to them. You know, when the pandemic started, um, we didn't know what that was gonna look like for our business, um, for our children, for their education. And it was definitely a season of uncertainty. And then there was a time um, that was everything was going smooth. Like in the past three or four years, everything was getting to be manageable. And um, then all of a sudden, um, my son took a fentanyl pill and it killed him. And so that was uh, less than a year ago, and that's definitely um, affected our family, all aspects of our family and our close friends. And that's what we're going through now, um, this the season of change and loss. And it's it's been hard, it's been hard. It comes in waves. And that was just kind of the beginning of all the trials of last year. We had my son's fiance and their little child, their house burned to the ground. Mm -hmm. That was just a few weeks after Caleb died. Mm -hmm. Then um, Elizabeth had a very severe knee injury from a very simple fall in cheerleading. And so that was our next big hurdle to overcome. And then Noki got COVID and then he was hospitalized with that. I'm a football coach, okay? I want to be in control. I want to be, I want to be able to manage. So it's hard when you lose a child to manage your family. I said, Lord, I need, I need strength. I need supernatural strength to manage my family and manage my business. Coming home and going through the grieving process and hearing my daughter just crying, it broke my heart. It was, it was tough. But I think, um, I think we're on a good page. I think the Lord has strengthened all of us. The grief and the death and the loss for all of our family has been a struggle, but 
one thing God spoke to me really clearly when this happened, and that is I just had an unexplainable sense that God was still good, that He was still in the middle of it. God is as loving and kind and as real to me now, and my relationship feels as strengthened and as deepened as it's ever been. What, when you go through hard times, the perseverance is trusting and relying on, on what, who Jesus is in, in my heart and in my life, because it's not my strength, for sure. It's the strength of the Lord every day. Perseverance. Perseverance is about trusting who Jesus is and who he is. And she understood that, you know what, there is a God and that he does love me and he cares for me. And to hear Noki say, Lord, I need supernatural strength, it's, it's continuing to ask, it's continuing to seek, it's continuing to trust in the darkest of moments. And I close because I want you to see something that I never saw before in this passage. It's a short story, but you pick up on things when you read through Scripture a lot, and, and from time to time, Jesus will, in essence, repeat himself. It's as if he says something, and he says it a second time in a way. It's as if Jesus was saying, hey, if you want to know some of those most important things, this is one of them. Because he just got done saying, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. And I want you to see what he says in the next verse. He continues on in, in verse 10 and says this. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. It's as if Jesus says, look, you have doubts, you have questions, you're going through a difficult time, keep asking, keep seeking. Because here's the truth. If you can't talk about your questions publicly, then you will sit in silence privately. And if you can't admit your struggles and crisis moments to someone, then you can't receive the freedom that comes through Christ's love and forgiveness. In essence, what I'm telling you here today is, is a questioning faith is always a growing faith. A questioning faith is a growing faith. Terry, I don't understand that. No, no, no. It's the ability to be able to say, God, I'm going to come to you with my confidence and I'm going to come to you when I'm shaking like a leaf. But one thing that I know is, is Jesus says, continue to seek, continue to ask, continue to knock, and I'm going to do it. Because you are God and you care for me and you have a plan and a purpose for me. And if I do that, it pleases you. And so God, even with my questions, I'm coming to you. Doubt is not a sign of spiritual immaturity that we need to suppress. Doubt is a sign of curiosity, growth, and exploration that God can engage toward a deeper relationship. He is God, the creator of the universe. He's big enough to handle my doubts. And maybe, just maybe, the point of the story is not about what we want, but recognizing who he is in our life. So if you're struggling here today and you are wrestling with doubt inside, the simple action step today is you have a God who loves you, has a purpose and plan for your life, even though you don't understand it right now, and even though there's some bitterness, and even though there's some questioning. What God says to you, I understand, but keep on asking. Keep on seeking through the 20%. And I promise you, one day, it might not be the three loaves of bread, but I will give you more than you ever realize, and it will be better for you, and it will be a better plan.
just trust that he loves you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for that story. And God, it's just so wonderful to be able to sit here and to unpack your teaching, to be able to, Lord, feel like a disciple sitting at your feet and and watching you as you teach us what it means to have a relationship with you. And so God, right now, I, I just pray for those that are watching online on the balcony floor that are struggling. God, I pray that you would encourage them to continue to ask those questions. For those that are hiding something for you, God, I pray that they would know that they don't have to hide. You already know what it is. You already know it. And so all we have to do is voice it. I thank you for the Deschardins, God, who took a step of faith by opening their lives and their hearts and to share the mess that they've gone through in the last couple of years. But I thank you for their witness and their example for taking steps of faith and trusting you. So God, right now, I pray, Lord, that tonight your children will speak, that you'll be near and dear to the broken hearted. And then most importantly, God, that we will know that you love us and have what's best for us in mind. We love you and we bless you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. May God bless you.